focus. Our main focus should be on where we're actually winning and push yep. through there. You go where there's the least resistance. And right now, the least resistance, citywide races, countywide races, some state legislative races. Yep. You get enough positions in those places. Now we can do ranked choice voting at the state level or at the county level yep. or at the city level. Now we can show how that works. And all of our solutions work their way up. And we have this snowball effect of more and more voters coming into the fold and saying, wow, this really works. I want to join them. All right, welcome back to the channel today, everybody. Um, have a very special guest, former vice presidential candidate um, for the Libertarian Party, Spike Cohen. Welcome in. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So we were up in Michigan. That's when we initially, we first met and we, yep. we were having a great conversation. I absolutely, I loved your speech that you gave at that lunch. And so I kind of wanted to continue some of that conversation that we were having you know, sure. about messaging and everything else. Um, and so I think you had mentioned three ways we work against ourselves as libertarian. What were those? Um, and kind of go into them a little bit. Well, so the, the three uh, things that I see us often doing, and I, I'm trying to remember, because I usually restructure it as the objections that people have to us more so than yeah. the three things that we're doing. But I, I would say just off the top of my head, uh, number one is we are focusing on national as opposed to local where we, we, oddly enough, even though we don't believe in centralization of power, we, we actually believe in decentralized bottom up, you know, structures, we, we are kind of waiting for this strong man to come or strong woman to come and show up and bring everyone to libertarianism and sort of have this trickle down liberty that starts from the center, you know, starts from the top and works its way down. Well, not only is that not what we believe, it doesn't work like that hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, the people at the top are gatekeepers that control who's going to be able to get out there. So that's not going to work. We're going to have to work our way from the bottom up. And that means working locally. It means, you know, getting involved in local races. We're already winning hundreds of local races across the country. We can do even more of that. We can win thousands yeah. of races. Even before we get elected, we can go to our city councils, county councils, state legislative meetings and things like that and make changes, push for changes, show up. A few dozen of us can show up to a state legislative meeting and change state policy. Um, so th these are the types of things that we can do. So I think that's one mistake. Uh, another mistake that we often make and I'm not sure if this is one of the one of the three you're talking about. Um, we tend to choose between this false dichotomy of either uh, being, you know, relatable but having to water down our message because our message is too scary for people, or being principled but doing it in almost a brutalist way. You know, telling people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not meeting people where they are, just showing up and saying things like, "Well, taxation is theft, and we're all a bunch of slaves, and if you don't agree with that, you're a bootlicker." Well, that's not how you talk to people about anything, <laughs> yeah. uh, especially not about you know trying to change the way that our society is structured. Um, so I think that we can, we don't have to choose between either one of those. Those are both really uniquely bad ideas in their own special way. We can actually be relatable and be principled. We can meet people where they are. We can show them that we care. And then we can show them how our solutions work um, in, in doing that. Um, what else? Uh, I think that we don't give, we, we, because we spend so much, much time thinking about our aspirational goals, ending wars overseas, ending the Fed, ending the war on drugs, we don't build winnable steps to take 
on the way there. And so a lot of times we end up infighting with each other because we don't have anything to do. It's, you know, if you don't know yeah. what the next plan is, we all want the yep. same thing. We just don't know how to get there. Then we're spending a lot of time fighting with each other instead of someone saying, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And that's kind of, I've been trying to lead by example, going to different areas and meeting with people mm -hmm. and saying, Hey, here's what might work in your area. Take this and run with it. Um, so I think those are the things there, there's a few mistakes that we make. I'm trying to think what the three were, but so there were, I, so it okay, was how we, we always say we can't win national elections. Yes. Oh gosh. Um, yes. And, and, and how we're always fighting each other. So why, and you used the salesperson analogy, which I think was, was absolutely yes. perfect. <laughs> yes. So, so Sarah, if, and, and, and for those of you watching, Imagine if I came to your house and I said, hey, I'm Spike Cohen and I'm here to sell you a fantastic product. And for some reason, you were willing to even listen to me because I, I can tell you right now, if someone knocks on my door and asks if I'd like something, I tell them, yes, I'd like you to leave. Um, but if, but let's say you just, you know, you're feeling, you're feeling charitable and you say, okay, Spike, tell me about your product. And I go, well, first of all, I need you to know, <laughs> I, uh, I'm not allowed to advertise my product anywhere. No one will take it. No one will let me advertise with them. Uh, none of the catalog companies will let me put my product on the catalog on their catalog. Uh, none of none of the social media companies are uh, allowing me to advertise with them. It's a miracle I'm even here right now uh, to be able to tell you about this fantastic product. And you go, okay, well, what what is the product? And I go, no, 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 it's worse than that. Uh, the government has actually created laws and and uh, restrictions that make it nearly impossible for me to even be able to come here i had to gather a bunch of signatures just for the ability to even come here and talk to you about my fantastic product now meanwhile they can they can put up their products whenever they want to uh, but i had to go through all of this so i could stand here in front of you and tell you about my fantastic product and you say what is your product and i say no 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 it's even worse than that they are actively telling you that it's pointless for you to buy my product because it's impossible for me to even sell you my product. It is so difficult for me to even be here. And, 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 and the, the, the ability for me to even be able to sell you the product is basically nothing. I can't sell you this product. They've made it so that it's impossible for me to sell you this product. And you say, okay, well, Spike, it sounds to me like based on what you're telling me that you can't sell me this product. And I say, you son of a bitch. This is how we are messaging to people right now about when we are constantly focused on the fact we lead very often, not all of us, but some of us lead and believe that we should be leading on how fair, how unfair this system is. The fact that they won't let us on the debate stage, the fact that, you know, we have to go through all these ballot access laws, the fact that, you know, the, uh, the Republicans and Democrats get taxpayer funding for their campaigns. And we have to spend all this money just to get signatures, just to get on the ballot and filing fees and all this other stuff that they don't have to do. The problem is when that is your, your main message that you're putting out, what the average voter hears is, we can't win. Yep. So even if they think it's unfair, even if they go, yeah, that's terrible, they should be able to do that. Their main takeaway is I'm not going to throw my vote away for this party because they can't win. Yep. But if instead we focused on where we do win at local races, at municipal races, and show how our ideas work, and show how libertarian governance isn't just a pipe dream, it actually does work, and it works better than anything else. And then we get to a position where now we can contest those biggest races. First of all, 
a lot of the problems are going to go away. The more money we have, the more ability we have to to get our message out there. The 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 hard the less the harder it's going to be for them to stop us from being on the ballot. But even before that, when we're getting and working our way up, and we say, well, we'd like to move to the next level, but they've got these restrictions in place. People are going to go, well, that's not fair. Look at all the great stuff you've done. I want you to be able to do it there. You shift the message from we can't win to look what we can do when they let us have a a seat at the table. And and that changes everything. That little shift away from we can't win to look at how we're winning. We're ready to move to the next step. We just need this nonsense out of the way for us to be able to do it. That's now a compelling message. Yeah, and I think when we start talking, because it's the exact same thing, we start talking about like ranked choice voting and stuff like that. This is the perfect opportunity, especially when I look at a race like what happened in Georgia with Shane Hazel for his Senate race. You start looking at races like that and you go, well, wait a second. We could put this whole notion to bed yep. that David Perdue would have gotten Shane Hazel's votes if we had ranked choice voting. And I think ranked choice voting yep. allows people yep. to put their first choice as a libertarian and then we will see our poll numbers actually start to go up even on these on the sexy on the sexy ones but you can't i I guess you can't focus on that stuff too because once you get that people are going to think oh that's the cure for to get libertarians you know and national races and you can't focus that that is the cure it's a step we can take but we have to be winning and like you said focusing on local elections as well and where we are winning it, it exactly and it is a step we can take but the reality is republicans and democrats aren't stupid they're going to do everything they can to stop that so they're going to m- try their best to make it so that it still is the system we have like ranked choice voting approval voting star voting all these different plurality yep. voting systems they know that if th- those things are in place across the country people won't be scared to vote libertarian or or green party or whatever else yeah. people or or all of those things right like yeah. i'll sit there and go you know what i like the libertarian party the most i don't really you know i agree with the green party 70 something percent of the time so i'll vote for them second this republican or democrat isn't that terrible so i guess i'll give them third and i, I don't want to vote for the other one I, I think that they're terrible if enough of that happens we win and they know that or at the very least even if we don't win we we poll so high we we do so well that you know the whole they can't win narrative goes away so, you know, <clears throat> this is an example of where we're like, well, if this system were in place, we'd win. Well, yeah, and that's why it's not going to be mm-hmm. in place, at least in most cases. Yeah. Doesn't mean that we can't push for it, but I don't think it should be our main focus. Our main focus should be on where we're actually winning and push yeah. through there. You go where there's the least resistance. And right now, the least resistance, citywide races, countywide races, some state legislative races. Yeah. You get enough positions in those places. Now we can do ranked choice voting at the state level or at the county level yeah. or at the city level. Now we can show how that works. And all of our solutions work their way up and we have this snowball effect of more and more voters coming into the fold and saying, wow, this really works. I want to join them. Yeah, absolutely. I think even like some of the stuff that you're doing as well, like you said, you are, you're, I mean, there's, you were out with Black Lives Matters protesters, right? Figuring out where (laughs) we do agree and working with them simply on that. And like you said, going like, Okay, I don't agree with you on this, but I can still work with you on this and then showing and showing people how we're different. And when you have a Republican Party who's pushing away anybody that's not a social conservative like Caitlyn Jenner and Brandy Love, and then you have a Democrat Party who's continuously moving more authoritarian and socialist. Um, So you have this 
large swath. And actually it's like 50% of people right now are independent for the very first time in this country. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it is, we really do have a great opportunity to grab some of those people in the center and show that we can, we might not have to, we don't have to agree on anything. We can agree on one topic and we can still help work you yeah. and, and, and get, and get along and get things done. Which is another reason why it's great to focus locally, Sarah, because yep. even if, so let's say you're not a libertarian, okay, but, but you agree with us on a specific thing. We might be able to work together on a specific legislative mm -hmm. proposal, like, for example, decriminalizing drugs or, or, de or you know, lowering the schedule or priority of, of, of drug arrests or, you know, decriminalizing sex work or on the other end, you know, fighting against lockdowns, mask mandates, you know, fighting to make our city or county a, a Second Amendment sanctuary, um, working with uh, immigration advocates to, to, you know, to push for, you know, mm -hmm. refusal to cooperate with ICE uh, for nonviolent offenders and things like that. There's all sorts of things that we can be working together on. And in doing that and building that dialogue, I may be able to help show you, well, okay, we agree on this and we agree on this. Here are the things we disagree on, but I'm actually remaining consistent in why I believe these things. I may be able to bring you over to my side, but at the very least, if nothing else, we've worked together and accomplished goals that are things that we both wanted. They are goals that I, as a libertarian, wanted to see happen. If nothing else, we accomplish that, even if we then go off and fight against each other on something else. Now, you not as someone in this hypothetically who isn't a libertarian, you may not be willing to vote for a libertarian for president, Congress, uh, Senate, governor. You might not even be willing to vote for a libertarian for anything. But you are willing to work with us on things that we can get done, especially at the local level. And you know what? Okay. After a while, you might say, you know what? I would vote for a libertarian locally or statewide, maybe not for Congress. Maybe I'm a Democrat at that level or I'm a Republican or I'm a, constant, uh, a conservative or whatever on that level. But at the very least, we can get things accomplished and possibly even bring people into the fold locally and accomplish things mm -hmm. there. Yeah, and it's interesting. And even looking at races that are nonpartisan, right? So um, for example, I'm working with Mike Russell, who is running for city council president of Atlanta right now. He's a former yep. MP and knows how to, you know, work and, and get rid of the crime wave that we're seeing right now. So those types of races as well, they don't actually have party affiliation. So you can kind of go in there yep. as a libertarian and help work with them and see what you guys agree on and what you can help. And then as an individual, you can help shape narratives because now you have this right. communication. Yeah, we, we fall in love with the idea of getting libertarians elected who have that L next to their name. And that's important. Yeah. It's important to, to help kill that narrative that libertarians can't win. It's like, yeah, we're winning. Look at all these people who have L's next to their name. But I, I agree with you. I think it's important with nonpartisan races because it removes when it doesn't matter what party you're a part of in any real way. It's now just about ideas. And you mm -hmm. can even, once you're in there, especially, you can be in there and say, listen, I'm a libertarian, but I care about the people of this city, this county, whatever. And I always put, you know, my constituents above my party or, or whatever it is. But more importantly, by not having that L or that R or that D or that G or whatever's next to your name, people actually have to listen to your ideas. And our yep. ideas are so much better than everyone else's. Absolutely. So it's a, it, it really levels the playing field there in terms of the 
political affiliation. Obviously, yeah. you know, some of the major party people are going to have better funding and stuff like that. Not always, but usually. Um, but you overcome that objection of, well, I'm not going to vote for you unless you have, unless you don't have, unless you have an R or a D next to your name. Well, if no one has an R or a D next to their name, that doesn't matter anymore. And if your ideas make the most sense, they'll say, okay, I'll go for you. We just saw this recently that um, uh, there was a poll that was done uh, that where they they had they asked Trump supporters um, if they supported different uh, parts of the uh, the pro act um, and the and the the Green New Deal. So two very hardcore you know yep. left wing Democrat proposals that are are, are kind of dead in the water because they're so left wing and because the Repu they couldn't get a yeah. single Republican to vote for them and even some Democrats won't vote for them. But when they told these Republican voters uh, that Trump supported the, the, you know they'd say what do you think of trump's proposal to and they would include something from the green new deal or the pro act the majority of the voters said yeah i support that and it's because yeah. they were you know oh trump likes that so do i if you can strip that part away the personality the the the, the party affiliation and just present ideas we can win. We do win. Yeah. Our ideas are the best. They get co-opted very often. So I, I like uh, the nonpartisan stuff, you know, because then we yeah. can say, hey, listen, all these people you like, by the way, they're libertarians. All of them, these hundreds of people that you like that are doing great stuff across the country, they're all libertarians. Absolutely. And you're, you're right, because like the major parties are still going to get the funding and everything like that, which I have yeah. a major issue with how politics are funded. Um, with outside entities, I, I really yeah. don't like the fact that anybody that doesn't live in a district can donate to a candidate in my district, you know, type right. things. I, I really don't like that. But that's again, it's never it's not going to change. So we have to we have to figure out how to how to go against it. Now, moving forward with the uh, like, the best way we can start messaging and everything like that are I think right now Liberty podcast and even on clubhouse and everything like that. There's so many mm -hmm. areas where we don't need a, ton, a lot of money to be able to go in and preach our ideas or even yep. just volunteering, volunteering with small organizations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Clubhouse is a very interesting one because it's, it's a, it's a new and still relatively small ecosystem. And we have a mm -hmm. lot of, a lot of, we kind of jumped in there early um, and, uh, so it's kind of like, we've, we've carved out quite a corner for ourselves there and I'm seeing more and more cause I get the notifications of the people that I'm yeah. following and they're in other chats that have nothing to do with libertarianism and I'll, I'll hop in and I'll listen and I'm like, yeah, no, they're making a good point there. They're, they're, they're bringing people into Liberty and they're, they're not doing yeah. it as well as a libertarian. I thought they're just going in and talking about stuff. And I, I think that it's, it's. I'll be interested to see how many people in the future say, yeah, I became a libertarian because I was on Clubhouse and, uh, and you know, saw what was going on there. Another interesting thing is uh, I'm just starting to get into TikTok because it is, I'm very much a geriatric millennial. I am overwhelmed by TikTok, but thankfully I have a social media team of <laughs> Zoomers who's helping me trying to figure this out. But there are hundreds probably more but hundreds of libertarians that we've seen that none of us have heard of before and these are people that are they're like late teens early 20s and we've never heard of them they're not on facebook they're not on twitter yep. they're not on youtube they're they're on tiktok and uh so there's a whole ecosystem of libertarians being built there that are kids i mean again you know 18 19 17, you know these are like high school and college kids never heard of them they're already out producing quality libertarian content on tiktok and uh <laughs> So no, I, I think 
that's another example of grassroots, you know, in the, in the, I guess, terrestrial world, there's the local activism, but then in the internet world, there's the social media activism we can do. Uh, we can reach out to people in our, you know, non-libertarian, you know, our, our normie circles. I do it to some extent in the, the Latin dance world. That's a big community I'm a part of, mm -hmm. uh, both in the real world and in, in the social media world. And I don't go in there heavy and I'm like, oh, I'm a libertarian, so I'm whatever. But I, I remember during the lockdowns last year when I was, you know, sharing videos of our dance events that we were doing around the country. And people are like, wait, what, what are you doing? Was that legal? I'm like, no, it wasn't legal. We just did it because we're outside and it was safe and we have a right to dance yeah. if we want to. And a bunch of people have come into the movement hearing that stuff because they're like, you were the only one who not only said that we have a right to dance, especially outside, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, outside during the summer, uh, but was actually doing it and didn't care if you might get in trouble for it because it's free. like this is footloose stuff, yeah. right? Like it's <laughs> illegal to dance. I, well, you know, like I don't care if it's illegal to dance. I'm going to dance anyway. Um, but that was my little, you know, form of one of one of my little forms of protest. We did a lot of civil disobedience last year just by campaigning during a during you know lockdowns. But I was able to bring normies in from the you know the the, the Latin dance world as a result of that. Um, you mentioned the Black Lives Matter stuff. Uh, the two Black Lives Matter events that I've spoken at, uh, one, I spoke with them about qualified immunity and we got their endorsement. And the other one, I spoke with them about gun rights, about, about yeah. uh, you know, uh, protecting the, the right to keep and bear arms. And we got their endorsement. Um, and it turns out like literally all I had to do was go to them, hear what their concerns were, and then tell them what our solution was to that. And we got their endorsement. And, you know, yeah. these were... You know, they, 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 we didn't pander to them. We didn't say anything that we didn't believe. We didn't, you know, pretend that we had positions that we don't. We told them what our solutions were and they liked it. And we were actually listening to them and we can do that everywhere. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes with just libertarians in general, people would look at you going and talking, speaking at Black Lives Matters process and go, oh, spikes of now is now a lefty, you know, he's moved over there and type of stuff. And right. that's that's part of where we shoot ourselves in the foot as well as our constant infighting with each other, telling people they're not real libertarians. Oh, and I get, I get it on the other end as well, Sarah. Yes. I got it on that end of your, you know, you're a Marxist leftist, whatever. And I'm like, you agree with everything I say. And they're like, yeah, yeah. But you're talking to them. Yeah. We should talk to them because the alternative yeah. is to ignore them and let them go join Democrats and on one end and Marxists on the other. Why would, why, why would we do that? Like they're out there protesting things that we have solutions for. Why wouldn't we go talk to them? But then I get it on the yeah. other end too. So like right now, because I'm very, I'm focusing very much on being against vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, um, being against mm -hmm. the lock, you know, there's more and more talk about returning to the lockdowns, which I don't know if they're going to do it because it's, it's, I mean, there's a lot of resistance to it, which I'm happy about, yeah. but you know, yeah, talking good. about opposition to the lockdowns and I'm getting people go, I didn't know Spike Cohen was such a Trump supporting conservative alt writer. And it's like, no, I've literally said this from day one. And this is, yeah. you agree with me on this and are strictly libertarian. Yeah. But you're talking to those anti-lockdown people. We're anti-lockdown people. <laughs> we are anti-mandate people, but I get on the other end. Yeah. You're talking to those, you know, those uh, protesters for, against police brutality. Yeah, we are also against police brutality and we're also against the war on drugs and we're also against the the uh, economic impositions that are being put on poor 
color, uh, poor uh, communities and communities of color that leads to disproportionate poverty and, and, and harm being done in those communities. We're against all of those things. It's actually, it turns out we can actually talk to them about it and say that we're also <laughs> against it. Like that's okay. And, and on the other end, we can talk to, you know, pro gun people. Oh, I get so, oh, you know, I saw you, you know, you got your, your, your boog shirt and you're, you're holding a gun. I didn't know you, you were in the alt-right. And it's like, no, we support gun rights. And that's, we've yeah. always, that's not new. We've always supported gun rights. I'm going to go let other people who support gun yeah. rights know that we are better than their politicians about gun rights. That's good. We should, that's called outreach. We turns out we should be doing that. <laughs> so yeah, no, it, it happens, but I, I'm willing to take those slings and arrows because I really, honestly, it largely comes from people who aren't doing much of anything themselves to reach out to anyone. So yeah, I agree. I think they, there is they, a lot of they're, people. They're, they're going to focus on, on being upset that I'm doing it. So that's fine. Well, and I even would think that some in the, um, I don't know. Some people in the Liberty Movement, I think it's it was good. I was on Elijah Schaefer's show two weeks ago, um, slightly offensive, talking about conservative issues and talking about conservatism, but it was talking about Caitlyn Jenner being ostracized at CPAC and stuff like that. And yes. so it was a clear opportunity for me to go on there, preach liberty values. And I said, I said, if they are willing to push those types of people, the, the 18 million people in the LGBT community, out the libertarian party would love to have those people <laughs> and so i think sometimes we get stuck in our echo chambers of where we're just yelling between libertarian groups yes so this is and this goes back to when people don't have something they're working towards they start nesting and they start attacking each other so if if you and i are stuck in a room together and we go the goal is to get out of this room and go back to living our lives and we don't figure out you know Think of like an escape room, except you don't try to escape. You just sit there and go, we need someone to come here and tell them to let us go. And then without fail at some point, especially when the hunger starts to kick in, we're going to start yelling at each other. This is your fault. No, this is your fault. Well, maybe if you, whatever, no, no, you should be doing that. And it's like, no, it turns out if we looked around the room and said, hey, what if we did this? What if we did that? You know, what if, what if maybe what, you know, this might unlock that, you know, we actually work, even if it might seem like a stupid little frustratingly small and trivial and insignificant thing, you're working towards the end goal of getting out of that, getting, you know, free, getting out of captivity. Yeah. And it's the same thing with setting America free or setting the world free. If we say we want to set America free, then we're not going to do anything. And, and at some point, we're going to just start attacking each other. And I think that there is a what I've called a culture of losing within the party. And I, I see it whenever mm -hmm. I see people who aren't doing anything themselves, attacking me and other people who are doing something and not, you know, even if there might be something constructive in their criticism, they're not then going and doing that. They're just saying, you did this one thing wrong. It's kind of like the stereotypical, you know, you're sitting there watching the Olympics and you're, you got a bag of Cheetos and you, you're drinking your soft drink and you see them like, you know, mess up, you know, negligibly on their, on their vault yeah. or whatever. You're like, ah, you suck. 
And meanwhile, <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd get lightheaded if you stood up too fast, right? Like this is kind of that <laughs> yeah. same dynamic. Yeah. And it's, 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 a, it's a culture of losing within the party. And the best way to combat it is to provide a better alternative, which is a culture of winning, of, of actually yeah. going out there. And talk, like you said, go, going and meeting with LGBT people, you're in a position to be able to go into, 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 into your community and say, yep. hey, if we're not welcome here, if we want less government, we want more freedom. And the party that claims that they're in favor of that doesn't want us to be a part of it because of who we are then let's go join a group who wants those things yep. and who does welcome us right like what a perfect Absolutely. example of outreach well and i yeah and that there's a reason why i go to a log cabin republicans meeting every month or whenever they have them and it's it. just to hang out and talk to people i mean i'm a former conservative that's moved yeah, libertarian yeah. and so it's like why not listen to what they're saying and then yeah. hang out make friends and then let them know, like, you realize they're pushing you guys away. Yep. Maybe look at the Libertarian Party, you know, yep. type thing. Yep. No, that's, that is great. And you know, all the people that would give you a hard time about that, right? But oh, yeah. Who cares? Because you know what you're doing. You're going and meeting with people who probably agree with us at least half the time and saying, hey, come join us. And we know what happens if they, if and when they come and join us. Yeah, they're not going to be 100% libertarian, which we can't even agree yeah. on what that even means. But over time, it's, it's, I say, if you want to, when you bring people into your orbit, you affect them with your gravity. People yeah. tend to, over time, align their beliefs with that of their social circles. It just naturally happens. It's, it's just who we are as social beings, right? And so bring them to our social circle. Yeah. Bring them to ours so that over time they become libertarian, both through just talking with us and reasoning things out, but also just by virtue of the fact that if most or all of your friends think something, that starts to make more and more sense to you because you're constantly hearing positive things about it. You're constantly, hear constantly hearing negative things about opposing views that naturally leads you to tend to, yeah. to, to join that. So let's bring them in. Absolutely. No, but no, it's because they have Republican in their name that you shouldn't go and associate with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's what you were saying earlier. Absolutely. And yeah. there is, I mean, it's almost a victim mentality that we have in the party, like you're saying. Yes. I mean, and there's a lot of people um, that are looking for a reason not to vote for libertarians, as opposed to mm -hmm. reasons why they should and why they should help preach more liberty and bringing people in i mean for example oh, yeah. in your guys's campaign last year when when joe had the black lives matter tweet that everybody took all wrong i mean right, it right. that people were just like okay that's it i'm not voting for her because she did that one thing because of this tweet wrong. yeah 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 yeah. And, and I will say i wasn't a fan of the tweet because it didn't explain anything it created this imperative yeah. but then it didn't explain what that meant and also i disagreed with the premise of the imperative you know and the tweet we're talking about for those yeah. who don't know it, it said something along the lines of it's not enough to simply not be racist we must be actively anti-racist yeah. well first of all i i would argue that it it is enough to not be racist like not every yep. single person is going to go out and start you know attacking anyone who has views that you know are are, are racist or, or are bigoted or, or even just problematic right like it's it's actually good if people aren't racist and we should be encouraging that we don't they don't immediately have to pick up a pitchfork and start going after other people also what does that mean like, what does active anti-racism mean? Does it mean yeah. that if your uncle uh, says something bigoted, you have to disown them or attack them or what? Like, what exactly does it mean? Um, and, and so I tried to spin it of saying, you know, the, uh, well, you know, 
libertarianism is actively anti-racist. Like, you know, by, by disempowering people, uh, by, by disempowering centralized systems of power, now racists are just schmucks with bad ideas. But the reality yeah. is it, it didn't explain what that is. But like you Absolutely. said, people took that one, not necessarily the best tweet and went, that's why I'm not voting libertarian. And it's like, it's a tweet. If you agree yeah. with everything else that we are saying, and if it's not even necessarily that you didn't like, you know, it's not like you're saying I'm pro-racist, so I hate this tweet. It's just you didn't like the tweet, you didn't like how it was said, and you you yeah. agree with me that yeah, it is probably enough just not to be racist. Yeah. That's not a reason not to vote for us, right? But but this is what happens in that kind of insular setting when you're usually just arguing with other libertarians about marginal stuff and you're forgetting that there's this whole other world of people out there who don't even know what our ideas are. It can become easy to like, you know, find the the, you know, the the speck in the eye of a specific candidate or or yeah. activist or whatever and just beat them to death, which is why I I this culture this very weird cancel culture within the libertarian party uh, of people that are looking for the most insignificant of things or associations to be able to point at you and say you're not a real libertarian or you're a bad person or whatever i it's not useful it's not helpful i know it started as a way to root out you know alt-right influencers and 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 communist tanky influencers and i get that but i think once they accomplished that They've now reached a point of, well, this person is friends with this person who's friends with this person who said this, who agrees with this, yep. who likes this person who said this. Therefore, this original person we were talking about is a Nazi or or this yep. original person is a communist. And it's like, no, guys, you got to enough like it's 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 yeah. it's gone too far. But, you know, I, I think rather than me try to sit there and argue with them, I'd rather do what I say to do, which is lead by example and provide a better yep. alternative like there are plenty of people that don't aren't happy just sitting there and, and pissing and moaning about stuff. So give them something to do. Let's go do yeah. something. If you're sick of watching this arguing, let's go affect something. Let's go and do homeless outreach and then use that attention yep. to talk to the media about the problems in that community that are leading to that homeless problem being so bad to begin with. Let's go, you know, work with other groups to build coalitions to do things like end qualified immunity and civil asset yep. forfeiture and the war on drugs. Like let's let's go and do the things we want to do and lead. And if and if other people are content or happy or find solace in just attacking everything we're doing, let them just ignore them yep absolutely i mean people people look at well we'll even go in as much as like to condemn me for being friends with austin peterson and going on his radio show and again preaching liberty but no you're associated with austin people love to hate austin in the party <laughs> he's a libertarian adjacent republican who well so for those who want to hate people hate me i was just on a panel with them in yep, uh at, at freedom fest <laughs> and it was a good panel and there were a couple of things we disagreed on but it was a good yep. panel if 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 association to and, and i association isn't being on his radio show like you were or being on a panel with him or or, or just knowing him <laughs> yeah. uh is enough for for you to hate someone i don't know what to tell you austin there's yeah. so much that i disagree with austin on and we've talked about it like i'm yeah. not saying austin peterson's the perfect libertarian I, I don't even think he claims to be the perfect libertarian at no. this point he's a liberty no. adjacent republican right uh, yep. a libertarian leaning republican or whatever you want to call it libertarian leaning conservative if association yep. with someone like that is enough for you to hate someone i don't know what to tell you maybe like find yeah. something to do just find something to absolutely do. <laughs> right just because even something. somebody like him preaches our values even though he's not 
in our community. He's still preaching a lot of our values and doing a lot of good. I mean, there's a reason he was at Freedom Fest, right? I mean, he was invited to come speak at Freedom Fest because he does preach libertarian values most of the time. And there's a lot of things that we disagree on. But Austin is one of those people that you can have a conversation and completely disagree. Yes. But you guys get down into a lot of details and it's a great conversation. Everybody wins. And he and 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 this is something I respect about Austin. Um, You can have a a discussion where you vehemently disagree with one another and get passionate in your disagreement, not attacking each other or anything like that, but get really down in the trenches arguing. And when it's over, it's like, hey, that was great. When when would you like to come back on again? Like he doesn't take it personally and he's not going to attack you over it. And I I appreciate anyone that is willing to have those kinds of vigorous discussions and and not take it personally, even though these are, you know, often – uh, discussions that are personal things for us and and mm-hmm. all that to say even if he didn't do that even if he was kind of a schmuck right even if that was the case simply being on his show when he is someone who is often as a republican saying things that we agree with that or at least partially agree with yeah. and get and, and having a chance to get on there and giving an even more libertarian take on that so that people that haven't heard our ideas or, or haven't heard them full-throatedly can now be exposed to them that that's yeah. something to attack someone. It's nonsense. Like, again, yeah. if you find yourself looking at everything that Sarah and I and other libertarians are doing and you go, I don't like any of that. Well, that's that's great. Show us the right way to do it. Show us yep. a better way to do it. Maybe we're all wrong. Maybe you're right. Show us a great way to do it. Absolutely. So kind of moving into a different direction. Um, sure. I think libertarians right now have a unique opportunity to spread our values with two issues that are really hot and i know you're talking a lot about both of them and that's the draft and cuba yes yeah so go ahead with the draft where do you see that heading and how do you think that we can best communicate with people that are against you know adding women to the draft per se well here's the thing i am also against adding women to the draft for the same yep. reason that I'm against adding men to the draft, no one should yep. be should have to uh, be forced to die for or fight and kill and potentially die for something they don't want to fight and kill and potentially die for. I mean, that's a, that that's not even just a libertarian thing. It's hard to find yep. many people who believe that, that you should be able to do that. And it's interesting because I, I've actually on social media I've talked with some feminists who will say, you know, women shouldn't have to be forced to die for this country until we have equal representation and we have this. And and I'll say, no, women shouldn't have to be forced to die for this country period. Like it doesn't matter if you have, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter, regardless of whether you have equal representation, equal pay, equal treatment, whatever, whatever the thing is that you want, you still shouldn't have to die for your country. Like you should still (laughs) not have to, to, to have the government force you to fight and and kill and potentially die or be a part of that machine. If you don't want to, period. And neither should men for that matter. No one should have to do this. And that has been fairly well received when I say it, because I don't attack them and go, well, you're just so feminized, you know, all you care about is women or, you know, I don't even think the pay gap's real. Or it doesn't matter in this moment. Whatever you think about those other things are irrelevant to the fact that at no point should the government be forcing you to go and fight and kill and potentially die. And that's just, that just is it. Um, and that's what I've been doing. And, uh, there's been a lot of people who will say things like, well, yeah, in theory, I don't want that, but don't we need that for war preparedness? Well, no, according to the Pentagon, 
it, it's the it's the 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 um, enlistees who fight better because they actually want to. It's the ones yep. that get drafted that overwhelmingly and disproportionately are the ones that get killed. Don't do much uh, in terms of of actually being able to help the effort and uh, and and cost a bunch of money uh, in training <laughs> that they don't want. Uh, in additional security because they don't want to be there, and then also in the the cost of dealing with their death and their their you know. <laughs> bringing home bodies and, 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 you know, or, or, or if they don't die, you know, being more likely to get injured. And now you have to deal with them with, you know, their medical costs for the rest of their lives and all this stuff. So yeah. it's not good. It doesn't help with war preparedness. No. It's really just government asserting itself over people to fight in things that they wouldn't have otherwise fought in. Well, if you can't get enough people yeah. to fight your war, it probably isn't a good war. Oh, 100%. And I say this as somebody, I mean, I served seven and a half years in the army as a logistics officer in the army and infantry units and it's absolutely amazing because yeah i just think about it i go god forcing people in would be a leader's nightmare like could you imagine like trying to get somebody to do something we have enough issues with soldiers that volunteer like getting in trouble and we're so involved in their daily lives anyways i couldn't imagine bringing a bunch of people that didn't even want to be there half the time enlisted soldiers don't want to be there (laughs) as a as a logistics expert i can't even you you can visualize far better than me the kind of logistical nightmare it would be if the military said yeah we're bringing in a million people who don't want to be here a million zoomers who don't want to be here a bunch of 17 18 19 and 20 year old kids who flat out do not want to be here go figure that out sarah like that there's no yeah. way there's i, I can't <laughs> no. even, i i don't know I, I mean i have a concept of 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 you know military logistics but obviously nothing like you do i can't even imagine the nightmare that would be but you can oh when it comes oh, to uh I, I can't even imagine when it comes to cuba we are watching the logical conclusion of a government that has too much power and exerts too much control over the people and especially when we know the specifics of what led to this most recent round of protests, which is basically that Cuba banned them from being able to use the dollar earlier in this year, and then also got mm-hmm. rid of their secondary currency, which was pegged to the dollar, which means they now have to use the uh, Cuban currency, which I believe is the peso. I believe that's what it's called. But regardless of what it's called, they're not having to use this worthless Cuban currency and uh, all other alternatives, legal alternatives have been robbed of them. And so now they've lost all of their purchasing power. For all the problems Cuba already had, they at least had some purchasing power. Now they have none, institutionally or individually. And so they can't get things that they need because no one will give them to them. Um, And uh, the embargo has not helped, but it's a very small part of the problem. This is the end result of mm-hmm. intentional central planning of an entire country's economy. It has led to, you know, this, this yeah. final conclusion nightmare and all the brutality that's, that's trying to keep it going. The other thing that's been happening is that uh, thanks to social media, the average Cuban actually is seeing what's happening around the country and they're seeing what's happening in other countries and they're going, why do they have it way better than we do? Why do all mm-hmm. these other countries that we were told were cesspits, and, you know, cesspools and that we were one of the freest and happiest people and I'm looking and they're living way better than us and they're way happier than us. What's going on here? Those two things have, mm-hmm. have sort of reached a fever pitch. Um, it's important as libertarians that we present a true liberty message and a true freedom message on this because there are plenty of people, Republicans and Democrats, who are trying to push a message that, the military needs to get involved there. And that's the last thing that needs to happen there. 
That is, yep. you want to make this situation in Cuba worse, get the U.S. military industrial complex involved. I got three words for you. Bay of Pigs. Keep the military industrial complex out of it. What we need to be doing is the opposite of that. All yep. this government needs to do, besides ending the embargoes, which again, the embargo is not what has caused that, but it certainly would help. End the embargoes. If you want to keep the sanctions and embargoes on government officials, that's fine. I don't even care about that. But end the embargoes that are making it difficult for Americans to trade with Cubans. But here's even more important than, than that. Uh, since the 1990s, there's been something in place called Proclamation 6867, which basically is an executive order that says that American vessels are not allowed to travel to Cuba. And so what that means is there are Cubans right now. There are tons of, of Cubans and, and, and others in, keep, keep in mind, Cuba's 80, 90 miles away from the U.S., like this is not some far flung country. It's yeah. right there. It's 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 in some places it's closer than the Bahamas is. You can literally go there on just a typical like, you know, private boat easily. Yep. The uh there are people that want to go and bring help to the Cuban people. And they can't because or they risk prosecution if they do because the federal government is actually putting up blockades to stop them from entering. And the Coast Guard will, will, will you know, uh, board your ship, seize your property, yeah. kick you off, and, and, and then you'll be prosecuted in federal court for it, whether they catch you leaving or coming back. So not only are you dealing with the danger of, of, of traveling to Cuban waters and dealing with that regime, but you're dealing both leaving and coming back with the possibility of this regime attacking you for it too. If we simply, if, if this government simply ended the embargoes, ended Proclamation 6867, uh, which would also allow American companies to provide wireless internet to Cuba, which means that you know the, the Cuban government's ability to jam uh, uh, to jam their internet would go away, uh, or at least become much more difficult because there'd be an American provider there. Those two yep. things would be incredibly powerful to ending the plight of the Cuban people and possibly setting Cuba free. Okay, makes sense. Um, in terms of so actually, did this, did it get lifted to where we can actually start sending stuff in, in terms of aid packages? Cause I think I, is Martha Bueno is having a lot of stuff and she's working a lot on getting stuff to the Cuban people, I believe. Yeah. So there is, you can get certain things sent to them. It is more difficult because of the, 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 uh, because of the, the embargoes, but it is possible to do. And some of it's mm -hmm. also not all that legal. Like there's stuff that people are doing. And I don't know if this is true about Martha. So I'm not trying to blow up yeah. her, her, her thing, but <laughs> there are some things people are doing where they're just like, they're just doing it. It's not legal yeah. in the U S to do, but they're just, you can, you can do it and it's happening. Uh, but the, what, what this is that I'm talking about is actually being able to take your boat and bring stuff there directly. And there are oh, okay. thousands, tens of thousands of, of Americans who are are more than happy to go and do that right now um and they just can't they're not allowed to um Absolutely. and so that that would be incredibly helpful there um in terms of messaging the cuban people the cuban american people and and the loved ones of cuban americans uh who are witnessing all of this they're hearing one of two things they're hearing either this isn't as bad as it looks don't believe your lying eyes everything's fine uh or they're hearing yeah we need to bomb them to set them free well, those both sound stupid. Those both are not good ideas. But if those are the only things that you hear, then you think, well, I guess I got to choose between one of those. I guess I got to choose between let's bomb them to set them free or it's not really that bad and, and it's being overblown and it's actually better there than here. 
Um, I'm not sure which one I think. And some people will choose one and some people will choose the other. But imagine if we're there messaging and saying, no, it's pretty bad over there. And it's not just because of the embargoes. It's because the communist regime yeah. there is terrible and, and, and is abusing people and, and violating their rights and, and destroying their lives and livelihoods. The answer is for us to set the people, the American people free to be able to help them. Um, that is a much better message. And it brings people into the movement. And more importantly, it can, it can possibly help to create a um, political will to actually repeal that. Because repealing, uh, revoking uh, 6867 is as simple as Joe Biden signing a thing revoking it. It, it doesn't require a mm-hmm. constitutional amendment. It doesn't require even a legislative change. It's an executive order. It was written and it can be unwritten uh, or written yep. to be revoked. So, you know, that, that's what I think we should the, be doing there. Yeah. At the same time, the messaging you can point to even people who are using the embargo as a means of this is what's going on. They're also advocating for free trade with a, with a, with a communist regime. With, yes. with a communist regime. So that is one area where we can also look at, as well as the Biden administration has said that they won't, they won't allow Cubans to settle here in the U.S., but they'll allow all these people crossing our southern border. So we can start looking at that and going, well, what's why are you why are you like we are the first country for Cubans? Joe Biden has appointed a Cuban American, uh, Mayorkas, who is in charge of the Department of Homeland Security. He came here. His family came here as a child. His family came here, I think, in 1960 to flee the Castro regime. And he is now he has put this man in charge of telling Cubans don't come here. Now, the, I mean, if that's not brutal, I don't know what is, that you've literally put someone who is alive and thriving because they came here from Cuba, who is now in charge of turning around and telling Cuban people don't come here. And now some people are saying, well, he said don't come here illegally. But here's the problem with that. Since 2017, the US government has not been processing Cuban visas. So there is no legal process to come here from Cuba. The legal process right now is no. You can't mm-hmm. come here. So when he's saying don't come illegally, the average American hears, well, yeah, you have to go through the legal process. Cubans know exactly what that means because they know they can't come here legally right now. They know that there is no legal process mm-hmm. for them to, to immigrate here. What They're hearing it loud and clear. Don't come here. So that's another thing that should be done is letting them be able to come mm-hmm. here, getting rid of that policy altogether. Uh, at the very least, returning to the so-called wet foot, dry foot. But I say even get rid of that. Let them come here, Okay. They're coming here to escape a brutal communist dictatorship, and they'd like to be able to build a dream. And if we can do two things, let Americans go there to help and let Cubans come here to escape the, the, the harm, I, I see a, a free Cuba. Cuba is not some huge yeah. empire thousands of miles away. It's a small population that's that whose government is teetering on and hanging on by a bound. They're literally uh, there are there are uh, uh, police departments, entire police departments, just quitting and and, and joining the protesters because they they're refusing yeah. to keep being so brutal to the people there because they see no end to it and there's no no reason to be doing it. This this government is falling apart. All we can do, we don't have to step in and bomb it because that'll just make yeah. the Cuban people fight back against a, a you know uh, against invasion. Yeah. We don't have to do any of that. Just free up the American people to go and help, and free up the Cuban people to be able to come here if they want to. Yep. We, we could have a free Cuba inside of a year or two. Yep, show voluntarism works. Exactly. Awesome. Well, I know you got to get going here pretty soon, but I did have to let you know. I think uh, I think. Martha actually wore the wore the rifle better. 
<laughs> well, technically it's a shotgun, but thank you. Oh, it is. When I looked at it, I saw the magazine. I'm like, is that a AR? It's a shotgun. It if, looks if like look an at, AR-10. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If so, if you well, yeah, I guess it does kind of look like an AR-10. If you look at that slide, it's like, man, that is a beefy slide there. <laughs> um, <clears throat> when they were when I when I walked up to it, and I'm like, what is this chambered for? And they said 12 gauge. And I'm like, I knew it. I'm like, I could just tell. Like everything was thicker, yeah. and everything was. And I'm like, this is the thickest AR I've ever seen in my life. And it turns out it's called a Citadel 25, and uh, it's a Turkish made. Uh, um, uh, semi-auto uh, shotgun yeah. and uh, man that thing was sexy I really like that but I just want to argue like I actually was carrying it at low ready and I like I was more tactical than Martha's That's just true. holding it like okay great fine you look like a model right okay wonderful it's whatever <laughs> this by the way this is like it, there was parallels of like me with my wife right it's like you know where it's like oh well you you technically did better but look at how hot she is and it's like that's not first of all <laughs> Don't judge my hotness by looking at them. Stop looking at them. Just look at me, okay? Don't look at her. Just look at me. It was like literally the same thing I go through with my wife. So, but whatever. She won. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a. It was a mockery of d- democracy and, and an absolute travesty. But whatever. I don't even care. <laughs> I don't care. That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, again, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, Thank you. It was really a great discussion. It's always, it's always good to hear hear which what you have to say because i mean you're you're all over the place right now so i think you're you're probably in my opinion speaking the clearest message right now of anybody else so that is where i'm thinking so um where can everybody find you i know you have a few things going on yeah so spikecohen.com that all my social media is on there all of my upcoming events are on there uh some of my more recent media appearances are on there a little bit of bio info uh if you want to book me for your show uh, you know all that stuff it, it's all pretty centrally located there are spikecohen.com uh, i'm on facebook i'm on youtube i'm on instagram i'm on twitter i'm on tiktok for the kids i'm on everything um and uh upcoming events uh this weekend uh actually tomorrow uh, starting tomorrow, I'm going to be in Virginia Beach. Uh, I'm doing an event tomorrow with the, uh, uh, I don't know when this airs, so it might already be after this <laughs> airs, but uh, this weekend I'm going to be in Virginia. I'm going to be meeting with the Hampton Roads Black Caucus, uh, also the Libertarian Party Hampton Roads uh, affiliate. Uh, then on Saturday, I'm doing some events uh, with Concerned Veterans for America um, to uh, commemorate the, uh, the, the 22 veterans a day that commit suicide. We're doing a 2.2K walk and run. Uh, then we're doing a big event concert and all that stuff. I'll be speaking at that uh, to talk about the solutions to uh, the problems that veterans are facing in this country. Next weekend, I'll be in a training event, uh, a weekend long training event in, uh, in Kentucky for libertarian candidates there. And I'll be throwing out an opening pitch for a minor league baseball game. I haven't thrown a baseball <laughs> since I was like 15 which means that for a week, I'm going to be practicing throwing a baseball in my backyard. So I don't look like a a complete fool when I, when I throw this ball to the pitcher, I don't (laughs) care how, what kind of arc it has to have. I don't care how accurate it is. I just want it to get to the pitcher without them having to travel too much or without it uh, bouncing before it gets to them. If I can do that, then I have one. Um, And then uh, I forget all the other stuff. What's that? (laughs) Just don't pull a Fauci. So what, what, so I've, people have said that, but I'd never watched it. What did Fauci do? Oh, it went like way off line, like into the dugout, I think. So. Okay. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, I used to play baseball like as a kid, so I feel like I can get it at least to them accurately. And I just need to yeah. make sure 
that my throwing skills are at a point. Like I said, I'm not going to try to, you know, throw a, uh, you know, throw a, a curveball or anything, but I just want it to get to the catcher. That's all. Yeah. I just wanted to get to the catcher without bouncing or without them having to walk all this way or without them, you know, having to jump forward. Or I just want to throw it and it gets to the catcher. There was no bounce. I don't care if it has a freaking yeah. gigantic arc to it. I don't care. I just wanted to get to them. And everyone goes, ah, look, he did it. Whatever. That's fine. If I can do that, <laughs> I'm going to be like freaking out all the way. This is going to be the thing that worries me more than anything else is can I make that I'll get to them anyway. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, spikecohen.com has all my stuff, including all my upcoming events. If I'm going to be anywhere near you, um, come on out and uh, and meet me. And I'd love to get a chance to meet you and uh, bring any questions you have. I love answering questions. Uh, you know, tell me your experiences. I'd love to hear them. You know, I, I, I like to meet anyone who's uh, interested to either be more involved in the movement or find out more about it. So, thank, and thank you, Sarah, Absolutely. for having me on. Oh, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Maybe next time you come to Atlanta, we won't have a hurricane. <laughs> that right, that well, was still sure a good you... event. It was still a good event. It, yeah. Everything was underwater, but it was still a good event. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Absolutely. And make sure you guys go ahead and click that subscribe button before you leave. Thanks again. And hit the bell. <laughs> hit the bell. Yeah, the bell. <laughs>